0: You perfect small thing. You are made entirely of soul and energy and emotion. You are every emotion at the same time, the infinite range of human feeling humming inside you, there, just there. I can see it in these photos I hold where your eyes are closed and your mouth open in song. Where your tiny hands stretch the lacy fabric you've draped around your body, creating a display, making a scene, posturing and posing, and calling all the attention to your efforts, simply because expression is worth sharing. Self-expression is a joyful, shareable thing. And besides, you don't know any better. Your body is memoryless. You've yet to feel the overwhelming and oppressive and all-consuming weight of the lifelong gauntlet of judgment that awaits you. You exist here, in the grace period, the infinitesimal amount of time that some humans get to crawl, climb, dance, and dream unfettered. To drape yourself in lace and not draw ire. To wear your mother's heels and witness only the laughter your scene-making brings to the room. There are no memories yet of an enraged parent discovering you covered in makeup or a crowd of your peers collectively deriding your wish to be the mom in the playground fantasy you're creating together. Nothing in your experience to warn you about the regulations of gender or the expectations of boyhood. No little traumas to alert you that everything has rules, from clothing to conduct to color. Yes, even colors have unwritten but widely acknowledged principles for appropriate use. You will encounter hot pinks and bold purples and the most delicate pastel greens and yellows and they will each explode in your imagination like a kaleidoscope but there are rules for colors and you will learn which ones must remain sequestered in your fantasy and which you may wear on your body this beautiful human body with its vast capacity for memory and its wisdom for processing information and its aptitude for feeling pain Your body, your powerful small body, will go through a million little traumas. And yet, it will faithfully bear you forward, despite how you learn to neglect and ignore it, despite how you will damage it, beat it into submission, despite the messages you will internalize that say, the body is a wicked thing. Necessary, yes, but only for a short while, only until you are liberated from it and you will believe these things, that your body is something to escape. After your grace period is over, every experience you have will drive home the teaching that your mind and your spirit must And must, and must have mastery over your body so that your body becomes a wretched, mistreated, gnarled thing, carrying its grief like stones inside, forced to serve the mind and the soul, but cut off from them, removed with surgical precision from the trinity of you, demoted to nothing more than a means of transport. The body, the body is where contact happens. It is where emotion happens. It is where lust and pleasure and taste and butterflies and orgasms and hugs and sight and communication, all these things happen in the body, but yours will be forbidden, these things and more. Because the body you are taught and you come to believe is a wicked thing that you will one day be liberated from. So let it atrophy while you devote your energies to the soul and to the mind, the lasting things, the parts of you that will carry on after your body finally fails its last failure and releases you to the ether above. You perfect small thing. Still thriving in your grace period. How I want to save you, spare you, drown you in assurance that every impulse you feel is the right one. Every emotion that rises is correct. Every song and tantrum and affection and revulsion, every swell and tingle and pulse and thrum and ache is worthy. Self-expression is worth sharing. You know this now, but the grace period will come to an end, and you will unlearn it. Soon the impulses of your body will come to represent the wickedness of your carnality, the cause of your destruction, the symptoms of your sickness. You will think of that boy, and your body will groan. It will swell and tingle and pulse and thrum and ache, all just to tell you something true about yourself, all to create a connection, to have contact, to come close. Your body will long for closeness, but you will not acquiesce, relying instead on your mind and your spirit to stand in. You will forge connection in a headway and in a heart way, And you will very nearly go mad trying to disentangle the head and the heart from the body. The Holy Trinity of you, broken apart to satisfy the rules that govern our clothing and conduct and colors and how we connect. It will cost you so much. It will require so much energy to maintain this partial you, this damaged you that overburdens his mind and his spirit to compensate for the atrophy of the body, and it will lead you into all kinds of unhealth, loneliness, and despair. Oh, how I want to save you, spare you. To drown you in assurance that your body is not the thing you need to be liberated from. Your body is not the barometer of your wickedness because you have no wickedness, you perfect small thing. Not at all. You are not fallen. You are not a sinner. And you are not in the hands of an angry God. You are just your own. You belong to you. You are a holy trinity of mind and spirit and body. And none is more or less important than the other. And they are, in fact, expertly crafted to share memory and wisdom and emotion. And when the holy trinity of you is working in unison, baby, that's what grace feels like. Then you will be able to love who you love choose the colors that please you wear the clothes that help you create the scene you want to make and the holy trinity of you and your body especially will swell and tingle and pulse and thrum as you express yourself boldly unapologetically proudly i can't save you from all that will hurt you I can't spare you from the violence that the rules will do to your body. But I can still drown you in assurance that your every impulse is the right one. This body, this one speaking to you right now, it is no longer the small thing it was, but it came from you. And every day, I am learning again what it means to exist in the grace period. To live memoryless, to self express simply because self expression is worth sharing, and to let, as that dear poet teaches us, the soft animal of my body love what and who it loves.
1: spiritual conversations for the godless
0: i'm matthew blake and i'm karen thurston welcome to heathen hi heathens hi
1: heathens
0: (laughs) welcome to well welcome back to the show i mean i don't know what episode this is because we're we've got a bunch in the can right now and and we're just churning them out right now
1: welcome to an episode of heathen welcome
0: to an episode um we're in season three. We're doing exciting new things, talking to people that have been on our radar for a while, <laughs> one of whom is on the line with us today. So let's just go ahead and, and welcome and say hello to Amber Cantorna. Hello.
2: Good morning. Good morning.
0: <laughs> Hi. So, so happy to have you with us, Amber. Thank you for reaching out and making the time.
2: Yeah, no, I know. I love doing this. It's great. Appreciate you having um, me on the show.
0: Yeah, you bet. Uh, we, I'm, I'm holding your book, uh, Unashamed. A coming out guide for LGBTQ Christians in my hand. Um, I haven't finished reading it yet. I got it this week, and I just haven't had the time. I'm only about thirty pages in, but you're already speaking to me a little bit, which I will say, I'm. I, I, I I'm I'm never really surprised about anything anymore. But I'm still I'm kind of surprised because here's the thing about me, Amber. I am like your biggest skeptic not your personally biggest skeptic i just mean like the biggest skeptic of of all things of everything like religion uh, like being a human um the government <laughs> like,
1: just like, are you really a human though <laughs> yeah exactly to be debated, debated.
2: Well,
0: yeah so I'm, i mean uh, you even uh you even mentioned it in your when you reached out you're like I know it's a podcast for heathens, but like, <laughs> c- would you be interested in having this conversation? And um, I'm like, of course, of course, we're interested in having the conversation. Um, and also, yes, it's a podcast for heathens. Like, like the, our little tagline is "spiritual conversations for the godless," which, in our context, is is very much a broad, all encompassing definition. Yeah, loose, <laughs> loose term that basically means people who have experienced some sort of. Coming to terms with or leaving of a faith that they were brought up in, yeah, um, and that that doesn't say anything about where they've landed now. Right. I think we're talking to a lot of different people, um, uh, but but that word heathen was chosen in very intentionally, and uh, even that word godless is kind of chosen intentionally, even though um, we're not. We're, Again, it's like a broad loose definition right. of what godless means uh, because Karen like you're you're not i don't think you would call yourself godless, right I'd
1: call myself a pantheistic mystic, thanks science Mike <laughs> um, <laughs> i I like to think of our heathen like I think of the people who who use the heathen definition as like you have some place or someone or some thing in your past that would look at you and say, you can't possibly
2: Mm.
1: believe in the God I believe in or the God that you used to believe in because you are the way you are. You believe the things you do now. So one way or the other, whether it's that you don't believe in God at all anymore or like you still do, but you've got a different definition, like there's something, there's some conflict there of like how God used to be for you that you cannot really go home to anymore. I totally qualify for that. Right. right. <laughs> so, just, absolutely. As,
2: as would most of the people that I, you know, that I, my work is for, I would think, you know, because the majority yes. of them are leaving that faith of which they were brought up with and trying to figure out how to reimagine that to, to fit with what they are now and who they are now. So. Right.
0: Mm. Can I? I'm just if, if it's okay with you. I'm just going to read the piece of, of your introduction where you say who the book is for because I think it it really I kind of sets the stage and, and reveals your heart behind why you do what you do. Um, so, so so you say. This book is my labor of love to each of you who identify as an LGBTQ person of faith. It is written to those of you who have lost your faith, to those who are desperately trying to hold hold on to your faith, and to those of you who want to reclaim your faith. It is written for each of you who have emailed or messaged me on social media and shared your coming out story and the pain you faced as a result. It's written for the preacher's kid, the missionary kid, the church kid, the Mm homeschooled kid, the Adventures in Odyssey kid, which I love, (gasps) the bullied kid. It's me! (laughs) It's written for Karen. Uh, The kid who never knew quite how to fit in. It's written for the outcast, the leper, the black sheep, those of you who feel like you're somehow never quite enough. It's written for the LGBTQ person who did everything you could to be the perfect Christian who tried to pattern your life after the focus on the family model. And obviously, we're going to get to why that's important in your story, um, who went through ex-gay therapy, conversion therapy, psychological abuse, suppressing your sexual feelings and desires because you were told you had to conform to the literal interpretation of Scripture in order to be acceptable to God. It's written for those of you who are forced into celibacy or a marriage to a person of the opposite sex because someone convinced you that God required it of you. It's written for those of you who are thinking about coming out, for those of you who are in the process of coming out, for those of you who have already come out, and this one, which I don't think I've ever heard anybody call out this group of people before, for those of you who had pre- previously come out but who ended up back in the closet again due to fear holy shit This book is for those of you who struggled with worthiness, who were told that setting boundaries was disrespectful, who believe the lie that God despises who you are, who carry suffocating shame about your identity, who feel terrified to be seen, who feel so isolated in your struggle that you don't know if you can live another day. This book is for you. (laughs) Can we take
1: her definition of (laughs) you? I mean, holy
0: crap. Hallelujah,
1: man. Like
0: the subtitle says a coming out guide for LGBTQ Christians, but I mean, that's a lot of people in that category right there, like it's
1: beautiful it's yeah. it's
0: gorgeous. I just loved that it resonated with me immediately, and it put me at ease, you know, like like oh i'm like uh, I'm gonna be talking about like a book for christians and i i'm i I'm on a podcast called heathen. How does that gonna like land on the ears of some people who listen to this thing? So I wanted to read that because I don't think there's any way anybody can hear that and be like, oh yeah, no, i don't want to hear I don't want to hear that message well, and I feel like in
2: some ways. <laughs> the title should have really been a coming out guide for lgbtq people of faith like it should have been a broader title and and Mm. we talked with publishers about that and um ended up you know not quite making it obviously but um i i feel like this is a broader audience than just christians Uh, i feel like evangelical conservative christians who are coming out often have to struggle the most but i feel like people of faith cover such a wider audience and is able to speak to those who uh, have walked away from the faith or have um, changed their, their views of their faith or have, um, you know, identify that differently Mm. than they previously did. And so I try to speak about it in a lot broader terms Mm. when I, when I actually talk about it, because I feel like it really relates to a, a lot wider audience than just people who identify as Christian
1: currently. Right.
0: So much so.
1: Yeah. Okay. So, can I just say real quick that like I still to this day, if I ever have a son, am going to name him Whitaker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Are you going to have a little sign on his door that says Wits End? I'm going to
1: call him Wit, though. Like that has been my plan <laughs> since I was a very small child, and I have not. That's the one piece of my thing I haven't de- deconstructed. Like I'm just, I'm in it. I'm hundred percent. I still believe in Mr. Whitaker. Oh, so, that's so sweet. Yeah, that's strangely hysterical. enough, yeah. Okay. Well.
2: So, well, you know I acted on there as a kid, right? So Mm-mm. that was my total, yeah. Oh, I'm going to
1: fangirl so hard now. <laughs> I'm just in. You
2: got to get my first book and read the first book. Oh, I've got that sitting that, here too. Yep. The opening <laughs> chapter starts with me in the studio recording Adventures Odyssey. I love it
1: so much. So, yeah,
2: there it is. Look, there's the picture. Oh my with gosh,
1: time. it's amazing. This is the best thing I've ever heard in my life. I'm so happy right now. Like <laughs> we can talk about anything okay, for the rest okay, of the time.
0: But for the people who are like super <laughs> fucking confused right now, like what are they talking about, Whitaker? Um, Amber, let's have you introduce yourself as we do on Heathen. We love to have our guests um, tell their own story and 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 uh, be who you want to be uh, on this thing. So let's have you just take a second to um, say who you are and how you see yourself in the world, and, and then we'll get into your story.
2: Yeah, well, um for those who don't know, I grew up very evangelical Christian. My father's worked at Focus in the Family for over 30 years. Uh, so that is my... um Claim to horrible fame, I suppose is is, <laughs> is, is, the, is my um, you know where I started and where I ended up, and um, not that that was all bad because I certainly had some great pieces to that upbringing. Um, Adventures and Odyssey, obviously being one of them, uh, but you know the the world that I grew up in was very, very small. My mm. mom stayed home and homeschooled us K through twelve. My dad went to work at focus. We were involved in everything you could possibly think of that was Christian and, um, you know, focus on the family-based Awanas, church group. Mm. We were very musical. We performed a lot and homeschooled and purity culture and all these things. And so my world was very small and was not one that I could really, like, identify – early on because I was never exposed to diversity. So it really masked my ability to identify my sexual orientation Mm. early on in life because Uh, being steeped in that purity culture, uh, you never had the ability to um, date number one, you know, like I never dated. So then that's a problem because if you don't date, how do you know? Um, And I was never, I didn't have the exposure. I didn't have the language. I didn't have the knowledge to put around the things I was wrestling with. Right. Um, Or to even realize that that was what I was wrestling with. Mm. I just always knew that something was wrong, you know, and and could never Mm -hmm. quite figure it out. Uh, And if I, 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 somebody asked me at my event last night, like, what would you have done differently? And it was like, this wasn't something that I could have controlled to do differently, but I wish I would have had the experience and the exposure earlier on in life. Cause I can look back and recognize it now from like early elementary years, you know, but, um, but then growing up in that purity culture and just, being under this belief that you have to save yourself for your husband. And if you just follow the will of God, then your knight in shining armor is going to come in on a white horse mm. and save you, you know? So then I just, I never dated because I always believed that, you know, it just wasn't time and it just, God was going to say, you know, God was going to reward me if I waited long enough. And, yeah. um, right. and so when that didn't happen, you know, like time just kept going on and on and on. So uh, that was one thing that I think made it really, really hard for me um, as a gay woman to be able to, to identify earlier on in life. Uh, so it wasn't until I was in my early twenties that I figured out that I was gay and that's cause I fell in love with my roommate, hmm. um, which was, you know, super awkward as and we do as we <laughs> yeah. it happens. Yes. And so, uh, but you know, th- the things that ensued following that with coming out and, and coming out to my fam- coming out to myself coming out to my family and my friends was just a very very hard road you know as you can mm-hmm. imagine with a dad that's been an executive at focus for 30 years yeah.
0: right
2: so um
0: that, that sorry if i can interrupt you for just a super quick second yeah. I, I i was really you have such a, a way of putting things to words that i know in my bones and have never been able to even say out loud myself but i loved how you described in your book and then just now talking about how Growing up in a uh, in that small world in that very small conservative Christian bubble the way mm-hmm. we always always talk about it you're not exposed to anything that looks like what you might be after right um, you're not exposed to the pers- the type of person that you might become one day mm-hmm. um, and and if you are in any way shape or form, it's almost universally derided or denigrated um I mean that was that, that, I just related so hard to that that <laughs> that piece that you put in there was like oh my gosh she's so right like i the, the I, it took forever i don't i don't know how old i was when i first learned what gay was or what queer well that, that
1: was queer an option was, yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then
0: later but yeah, yeah that, that was an that option that was an and option, then when yeah. i yeah and then when i did learn about it it was you know a bad option but, yeah, not, was, not a
1: good option yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it was
0: the wrong way <laughs> the wrong the option is
1: also an option <laughs> yes. so be, yeah.
0: so so that like and 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 that's a that's a level of developmental like it's, you're stunted in this, at this really crucial, critical age when other kids are like looking around them and seeing, um, representation of things that they might one day become. And you don't have that at all. Like that, that kind of arrested development is, is, is really specific and unique to, to these stories. And it just, it, I mean, as I was reading that piece just yesterday, I was like, wow, that's so me. I, 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 I I I I wish what blue <laughs> getting tongue tied. What you said uh, about answering the question last night, I wish I could. Not that I could go back and you know redo it, but just that I I I just wish I knew about it. Just wish I had access to information and knowledge earlier, mm-hmm. uh, because that would have changed the trajectory for me a little bit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a lot probably.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, or a lot.
2: <laughs> I think that's what. Like, I'm such a huge proponent of exposing your kids to diversity from a young age you know so yep. that they have that exposure and that knowledge and that experience um right. on so many levels like it's just important on so many levels um, yeah. and for their own development and who they mm. become in the world and how they treat others and mm-hmm. it, uh, that are different from them and how they see mm. them and I think I think it's super super important.
1: So yeah, this is my favorite thing about the community that we have and what my daughter, I have a daughter who's 6 and like what she witnesses all the time. Like I love I've watched without any coaching and really no intention on my end except for the people that we have surrounded her with, but like when they play, when they have weddings, like it's all bets are off as to who's marrying whom. <laughs> so they have, they have same sex weddings as frequently as I they have hetero weddings and it's beautiful. And yeah. I'm like, who's getting married today? And they're like, Susie and Steph. And I'm like, perfect. This is oh, beautiful. So but good. just that her six year old mind doesn't have that. Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Uh, I think it's so beautiful. Yeah. And I think that like it, it's so encouraging that that is a, starting to be something that can exist even on the smallest scale in her mind. Like that's just that little change is such a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's a huge thing. thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And those conversations that you have with, with them about that and the way that they just grow up feeling like that's normal. You know, I I just think that's so amazing.
1: Yeah.
0: Sorry to sidetrack us there from your story. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Kind of what we do. I just love that. (laughs) It's a
2: great sidetrack. Yeah. So not to like go, back into a deep place but you know like coming out for me didn't go well obviously mm-hmm. um right. and that ended up pretty much costing me everything when i came out mm-hmm. um my my parents pretty much said you know well i mean i think they honestly believe in their heart that that's what god requires of them um yeah. mm-hmm. is to is to have to choose but they you know they they said we love god more than you and if we have to choose we choose god And, um, so to hear that from your own parents, you know, um, and, and to be compared to, to murderers and to pedophiles and, um, Mm. and I mean, you know, they said, we feel like you've died. Uh, So it just, it was, um, you know, took away my house keys and it just was an awful, awful experience. Um, so I, Mm. I, I think why, you know, that's part of like why in this new book, Unashamed, I'm such a huge proponent of finding an affirming community, Regardless mm-hmm. of where you fall faith-wise, having that affirming community, um, I think, is super important because that was really what saved me when I came out. Um, I, I really don't think that if I didn't have um, like an affirming community around me for support that I would have made it because uh, I was right. in a dark yeah. place. And so I really think that having that affirming community saved my life. And I was super, super grateful for it. So I'm a huge proponent of people finding that preferably before they come out. So they have that support when they're going through the process, yeah. um, you know, when, yeah. when so things really get hard.
0: Was that your experience? You had, you had that in place when you decided I did. to I did. take, take the leap. Mm-hmm.
2: And I, mm-hmm. I'm absolutely grateful for that. Uh, I really yeah. think it saved my life. Um, and in fact, that's how I got to Denver was because the affirming community was in Denver. And so I picked up and moved you know, a few mm. months after coming out uh, to be closer to that community and kind of get away from the toxicity of, of my environment
0: yeah. yeah hey heathens are you enjoying this formidable paradigm shifting boundary pushing conversation I certainly hope so because Karen and I are working hard to introduce you to remarkable people and bring you rollicking conversations that have the power to make you feel less alone and more alive if you love listening to Heathen, would you consider supporting the show? We're looking for a few folks to chip in a dollar or three or seven each month to help keep the thing going. Join us on Patreon, where in addition to the deeply satisfying knowledge that you are helping construct solid ground for folks taking steps away from bad religion, you will also get exclusive bonus content like sex tips for repressed former fundamentalists from our resident expert Bird Ward. Hi, Bird a round of have you ever with our guests to see who's the most profane or even blasphemous Bible trivia with questions like who is scripture's most notorious masturbator and which character in the Bible likes to talk out of his ass. Careful. That one's a trick question. Click the link in the show notes or visit patreon.com slash to join the fam today. And thank you for supporting the godless spirituality that we bring into your ears each week. yeah so the I, I think a lot of people who listen to this will immediately be familiar with focus on the family with with the- at, if not focus then, then at least with the culture that you're describing um because it's it 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 it's huge <laughs> right <laughs> it's it's everywhere in in all parts of our uh country and and really around the world I was actually kind of internally laughing when we were talking about um being exposed just to diversity as children, because I think, I think my, um, my sweet mother thought she was doing that in some ways and and, and she was in some ways, but, uh, um, she's, a, she's a French and Spanish teacher. And so, uh, she exposed us to a lot of, uh, French and Spanish culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like, European like <laughs> European evangelical <laughs> culture like i went i went to to France uh, and worked at a, a camp for a month after I graduated high school with her and with with some other students, um, but it was an evangelical christian camp in the in the Alps right. that, it, i mean oh yeah gorgeous and wonderful, beautiful experience, but like not a drop of difference between no. except for the language between the, mm-hmm. the culture that we lived in, um, so you know she thought she was exposing me to different things but you know, hmm.
2: <laughs> yeah. it's a big, yeah. expansive yeah, thing. That's all sure. I'm saying. So, um, well, I think it goes across the board, too, because you know, people are, are not just PKs, but they're also missionary kids. Mm. Right. And so I've had people all over the world contact me because their parents were missionaries who got sent to South Africa or to, you know, Australia, and that's why they're there. But the culture is exactly the same, mm-hmm. and they're struggling just as much to come out as they would have if they were, you know, in America. Yeah. Mm, yep. So mm. it's certainly the, it certainly spans far and wide, for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, so what, what is your relationship like with your family now?
2: Um, there isn't one. There isn't one. Yeah. So we have no contact at all. Yeah. There was very strained contact for a few years, um, following my coming out, you know, like it was immediately not good. And then it just went downhill from there. Hmm. And I, you know, I was single when I came out and then, as I uh, fell in love with my wife and we dated and got engaged and got married, they just, I think their hope kind of declined. Mm. And so I had no family at my wedding. And then about three months after that, they just cut me off completely. And we haven't spoken since. Mm. So it's been almost five years.
0: Um, that sucks. I'm sorry. Thank you. Um, it does suck. Yeah. It does. Uh, let's, let's talk about your chosen family then. Um, and like your wife, how did you guys meet?
2: We met actually at the affirming church that I was attending. Yay. So it's a wonderful story. <laughs> proof, yeah. proof positive that
0: affirming <laughs> communities are a good thing. Exactly.
2: <laughs> it's a good place to be. And we dated and, um, both knew pretty quickly that, uh, this is what we wanted. And so we're celebrating five years this year. We're hoping to go to Italy. Ooh, yay. So hey. make the trek for for the five-year mark. That's so, awesome. It's amazing um, how time flies. We're like, man, it's five years already? We've been married? You know? Oof, right.
0: Yeah, you're not joking. But, um my maybe maybe i'll see you there my i'm getting married this fall and uh my in italy? No. <laughs> is no. it in
1: Italy? <laughs> but, Can we go? Uh, uh,
0: but uh we are that's that's what we want to do for our honeymoon is is italy. oh awesome. So, yeah. We we have no plans but when um, are you getting married? In October.
2: Well, that's when we right. plan
1: to go. Yeah. Oh, oh, Hey, hey. hey. I want so to go to Italy. Little, I'm just going to go to Italy to go to Italy. I don't
2: <laughs> just don't want to, to see
1: it. I don't need a reason, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> um
0: so, uh, you you finished your book tour for refocusing my family, which is that that's that's the memoir, that's the story of of your upbringing, coming up in the focus on the family uh, universe, and then um, having to come out of that in all the ways. And you immediately went, you, you like finished the book tour, and immediately went and were like, I I have to write this next book. Can you tell me a little bit
2: about kind of. <laughs> <laughs> sort of. That's, that's um, not quite how it went down. Oh no. Okay. Sorry. Then I, 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 I misunderstood. Um, <laughs> no. No. You're it, you're sort of right, but I was like halfway through the book tour when I was approached by a different publisher. Wow. Oh, oh, and gotcha. so at first I was like, I am so not even close to ready for this. Right. Yeah. You know, kind of in the a middle of things. Like, well, in <laughs> writing the memoir was grueling. You know, to go back and examine your life from yeah. all these different viewpoints and to. <sighs> reprocess all this trauma on mm. such a deep level and to figure out how to share that with the world, the world and the way that's, you know, um, going to be helpful for people. Right. Was a grueling process. And sure. so I was not like ready to just jump back in and do it again. Um, but the same weekend that they approached me, I led a workshop for people trying to come out to conservative families. And mm-hmm. I was at a conference and they gave us the largest workshop room available and it was packed out mm. like a third of the conference was in the room, Hmm. like standing room only. It was shocking. Mm. And then we opened it for Q and a and like half the room shot their hand in the air. Oh wow. And there was this audible gasp of like, Ooh, like what are we going to do? Like that was not what we expected to see, you know? And so it just made it like so visibly obvious that this is drastically needed. And I knew that because I get emails and messages from people all the time sharing their story with me. But to see it so visually was Mm. like, um, you know, at the same time that this publisher was approaching me and I was was like, okay, God, I hear you. Yes, I hear you. Mm. (laughs) And so um, I finished the tour for refocusing my family. And then I came back and wrote this book, actually, while I recovered from foot surgery. I came home Mm. and had foot surgery and I wrote it on my couch while I recovered from foot surgery. (laughs) (laughs) So that is how that went down. And now here it is, and you know both of the books released within 18 months of each other. So it was a wild and quick ride, but um, we're, we're getting ready to go out and do it again.
0: Yeah, wow. <laughs> um, the urgency behind that just feels really, like I can feel that. I can, I can uh, just even in my own experience, the need for this type of a conversation um, that people aren't having or, 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 or don't know even where to begin to have it. Um, what do I do after <laughs> i mm-hmm. think that 's a lot a lot of the impetus behind this even this podcast too it 's mm-hmm. like what do I do after i uh, come out as, as a, uh, sorry, there's a cat in my lap. It's distracting. It's just
1: loving them <laughs> um, so hard right now. <laughs> uh,
0: what do I do after I, I come out as like faithless in some way, shape or form or, or re- rejecting or apostatizing the faith I, I grew up in, you know, like what is mm-hmm. the, what is the rebuilding process? What is the reconstruction? What is next? Um, yeah. So well, and I, I
2: think that's what I was seeing too, because There's so many resources now that weren't available when I came out. So many resources that are helping them navigate their sexuality and their faith, you know, theologically. Right. But nothing to help them once they do that like, okay, I'm gay and I'm Christian. And now what the hell do I do? Right. You know, how mm-hmm. do I move forward from here? What are my steps? And so those are the questions that I kept seeing on loop over and over, whether it was at events where I spoke or whether it was um, through the messages I receive in the emails, it was just felt like this loop of questions that just were on cycle, mm-hmm. you know, in repeat. And so it was the same questions over and over and over. And there just was nothing to help them practically navigate that. So that's where this book came into play, is to try and do that and and to give them practical steps and a holistic approach to to do it to the best of their ability with the least
1: amount of collateral damage. Hmm. Hmm. So one of those steps then, obviously, we've talked about a little bit, is to find an affirming community. That's like step... Step one in there, I'm assuming, somewhere real close before you even... About, yeah, two or three, but yeah. yeah <laughs> somewhere, somewhere in the very beginning. Without giving away the entire book, obviously, like can you tell us a little bit just about uh, some of the answers to some of those questions and some of, the, some of the things you really wanted to get across?
2: Well, I started with
1: addressing internalized
2: homophobia hmm. because I feel like that's something that has not been done yet um, mm. or done well. And I think you really cannot move forward from that. You can't really move forward into accepting who you are or coming out to others until you have dealt with that face on yeah. um, or head on. Because that runs so deep in so many of us, and yet we're not even aware of it half the time. Right. And so bringing awareness to that, talking about where it comes from, how it stems in us, how to stop that cycle – Uh, I really felt like was step number one that you had to start there. And then from there, I take them on kind of this journey of embracing who they are and seeing God through a different lens than perhaps they were taught to see God through, Uh, you know, kind of this angry white man in the sky that is ready to strike them with lightning because they're gay and send them to hell, you know, reexamine that lens and, and view God differently. And then once you do that, view yourself differently through that lens as well. Um, because if God doesn't hate you the way you believed, and if God in fact loves you, then you can in fact love yourself. And so taking them on that journey of doing that first, and Mm. then talking about things like affirming community and how you know when you're ready Mm. to come out and so on, Uh, because that's really step number one. Yeah,
1: absolutely.
0: Which is such a Actually, yeah, kind of a radical approach. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, just as I think about my own experience, I lived for years with my own internalized homophobia, and my I always talk about my coming out process in. The stages, which, I mean, coming out for everyone is a constant thing. Like, we're always coming out, like, to the dentist, to the, you know, like, <laughs> right. you, you, f- yes. you have to fill out a form where you have to talk about your, who your spouse or partner is. Like, yes. it's, a, it's an ongoing perpetual process. But specifically for people who are raised in communities that, religious communities that suppressed or oppressed that part of th- their identity... See, even how I say that part of their identity, like that, mm-hmm. that is a phrase that, that for me represents so much of what I was taught growing up because I, when I, when I did finally admit to people, to myself and to people around me that, um, okay, I, you know, I didn't come out as gay. I came out as struggling with same sex attraction. Right. Like, cause that's, yeah. that's safer language. Right. Like I, I'm struggling with it. It's a thing I'm working right. against. Right. Um right. Uh, Like, that's phase one, right? Um, And and, and all of the feedback that I got and continued to get for years from people in my church world spheres, Christian spheres, um, was this is not who you are. This is Mm -hmm. like... Like this is a part Something. of your identity right. or, or yeah, before, before it was even part of your identity, it's a sin, right? right. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just a, it's just your unique Something temptation. Something you've done. Yeah. yeah Something that, that, Like God gives us all with. things we, you know, um, that we struggle with nothing, that, no temptation beyond what we can bear, that kind of thing. <laughs> but then after that, even when it's like, well, no, I am like, I'm gay. This is that I, I did five years of conversion therapy and, and attempt to, to really try and change my orientation after that. Whoa. Um, cat again. Um, after that, it was like, well, okay, so the next phase is I'm gay. Like, I just am. Like, I can't change that. So I have to figure out how to navigate the world knowing that. And, and my choice at that time was to be single and celibate. So, like, that was the next phase of coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And at that point, people were telling me, oh, this is, just, this is just a part of who you are. This is not who you are. This is just, like, you know, a piece or whatever of your identity. And I hate that language mm-hmm. because it just it, – it's so limiting um, – in terms of, it, it, it just makes it very apparent that, that like, we don't want to talk with you about this. Right. Like, that's how it feels. It's like, I don't, I, don't, I, I acknowledge that you're, you know, like, I love you anyway, basically, but I don't want to talk with you about it. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's well, not it's, who you are.
1: It's bypassing pure and simple. And then mm. it comes often with that, the pairing of, like, but you can find other things in your life that mm-hmm. will fulfill you. Like, you don't have to. Like, you can just not engage with that particular part of yourself. And I think this is kind of this lie that we tell uh, in religion in general often is just this idea that like, oh no, you can just not engage that mm-hmm. yeah. and find fulfillment it. just turn your eyes upon Jesus, you know, and don't worry about this other thing that yeah. you are you are wrestling with. And that seems to work exactly never like in my experience. Yeah. <laughs> I feel really, like anytime time. I
2: would call that a subtle form of internalized homophobia, you know, like right. or, or homophobia that is subtle that can become internalized if we don't recognize it as such and call it out Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i I just want to also note that in your book you uh you make you go to extra pains to um let the reader know that homophobia in in the context that you're using it refers to not just uh, homophobia but like transphobia any kind of queer phobia basically right like we're Mm -hmm. you're very inclusive and your story your your story includes people uh from all the different categories in lgbtq plus so Thank you for that. First of all for including all those stories. Um and I just wanted for our listeners for you all to know that we're using that word inclusively as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um man, I just, my my uh <laughs> when I had the conversation with my grandparents which was actually even a little scarier than my parents. Uh my my papa w- was like the pillar, the figure in our church community um growing up. Uh so it was it was scary to come out to them. It was actually harder to tell them that I no longer believed that the Bible was, you know, what they believed it mm-hmm, to be mm-hmm. the, the inspired inerrant, and acu- uh, accurate, um word of God um, than it was to come out. But in the coming out conversation, I remember my papa said something about, um, well, well, Matthew, I don't, you're, you're <laughs> gosh, should I say this? What the fuck? I'm going to say it. And, and, <laughs> and if, if I have to cut it out later, I'll cut it out. But um, he said, you know, I your your grandmother and I can't have sex anymore. Like we're at that and age where fine. it just does, it doesn't yeah. work anymore. You know, we just can't. So, and we're okay. Like that's right. just a thing. You, don't you, you just it. don't have to right. engage with right. that. You just don't have to. And I, you know, like my whole body was just screaming. Out. I'm like, you're you're right. seventy. <laughs> like,
1: and also, like, who the fuck are you to decide for me that I should just be okay with like, that? You like,
0: got to have a whole sexual right, life, right. Papa. Like, like, mm-hmm. can maybe I, would be, I do that too? Never
1: have that ever. <laughs>
0: Yeah, right. yeah, like think about it a little bit, what you're saying. And
1: even if you're cool with that, like we may have different priorities in life. Like that is a possibility as well. Yeah. Like that may have been okay for you and it yeah. still could just not be okay. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I, you may be okay going your whole life never eating chocolate again, and you wouldn't miss chocolate at all. <laughs> oh but you know what? I really like chocolate. Yeah, exactly. yeah. <laughs> I don't actually want to go the rest of my life. Obviously, that's a much smaller example, but, like, yeah. it's not that hard to imagine that people mm. might have different priorities yeah. than your own. But I don't know. But that, I mean, prioritizing sex is not exactly something that we were taught. Yeah. It's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of other conversations I had too where um you, you talk a lot about this about people who are accepting but not affirming necessarily. So like the the the, the Christian friends who are like, I love you. You mm-hmm. know, I love you regardless. But and 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 yet. <laughs> but. It's like Yeah, I love you unconditionally, but <laughs> With this uh, which yeah. Let's, let's just okay. reconsider what unconditional means for a second. But like that, that's, I, when I, when I decided to start dating, which was, you know, like phase three of my coming out process, like, okay, I've, I've tried the single celibate thing. I've tried the, the conversion therapy thing. And now I'm just going to like, I'm just going to lean into it and be a little bit gay and go on a gay date. Um, my, my pastor, best friend, the person I was, I was on a church staff with this person, uh, and had been doing that for seven years. And, um, He was like, okay, so uh, you know, I honor your choices and your decisions. I just, I don't, I don't want to talk with you about your dating life anymore. Like, Mm -hmm. so, like, let's just take that off the table in our relationship. Like, that's not a thing that's going to come up between us. Mm -hmm. Which was brutal, like an absolutely. Oh yeah, it was so so hard for me to hear that from this person because this is a person that I loved deeply and you know believed in the vision that he had cast for this community that he wanted to create. And I had been investing in mm-hmm. that for years. Mm-hmm. And, and then for him to just say like, Oh, it, it's again, it's that compartmentalizing, like, well, this is a piece that we don't need to talk about or man, internalized homophobia is a bitch. Like mm-hmm. it is seriously, mm-hmm. <laughs> seriously. Yeah. Rough. And
2: I think we deal with it forever on some level. Like it never totally goes away. There's always like little strands of it. And I think the more that we're aware of it, the more we can minimize that impact. But we have to be aware Mm. of it in order to do that, you know, because if we're just if it's subconsciously happening, we're absorbing it as truth without even realizing it. So being able to recognize Mm. it for what it is and call it out, I think, is crucial to our being whole and healthy as an LGBTQ person.
0: Mm. Mm. All right. So being whole and healthy, let's. What, so what, what is your, what is your Amber, what is your particular spiritual practice look like for you now? And, and what is, um, Well,
1: you want to
2: hear my new hobby?
0: Yes. Yeah. I'd love to hear it.
2: Floating is my new hobby. <gasps> cool. I want to try it so much. <laughs> yes, It's so cool. And I'm loving it so much. And I was skeptical at first cause I didn't think it would work for me, but once you give it a chance and you do have to like give it a try, like you got to do it a couple of times yeah. um, to kind of get into the mode. But like after you do it a few times, the more I do it, the more I love it. Hmm. And it's like, for me, it's almost becoming like one of my spiritual practices because uh, I love that I get to get away from all of life and shut everything out um, for 90 minutes Hmm. and be in this place secluded from the world. And, you know, like that has been like a spiritual practice for me. Like I get to lay there in complete silence if I want, or I can have the meditative music on if I want. Mm. Um, I can lay in complete dark if I want. And you just lay there and float. And it's good for your body and it's good for your mind. And you can meditate. And I use it sometimes to work through like past trauma and mm. to just, um, or or talk to God or whatever that looks like for that day. And I am loving it and dare I say it is my new spiritual practice because wow. uh, every, every time I do it, I love it more and it feels quite spiritual to me because hmm. uh, it's like this little safe cubby away from everything for a, you know, a certain period of time that I get to go and just shut out the world and you know process things and think about things and 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 be in a space that I maybe wouldn't otherwise access during the normal busyness of my everyday life.
1: Yes, and
2: so I am I'm loving that as my new my new hobby and self care tactic.
1: I feel like that's what I need in order to meditate successfully. Like I need an <laughs> yes. intervention, kind of yes. like I need something to come between right. me and the rest I of the world. Pay
2: for this, but it is worth it. Right? You know? Yeah,
1: you're paying for the safeguard. You know, <laughs> like right. this will keep me from being able to interact with things. And I think that that's. There, that sounds just really nice to it's, me.
0: Yeah. that I, Meditation didn't really click for me until I had – I work for a theater. That's my day job. And, and I uh, go – in. we put this on the show, actually, just a couple episodes ago. I talked about how I go in to work super early before anybody else is in the building. And I go in the theater, and the little ghost light on the stage is on. And it's just this, like, soft, mm-hmm. warm light that kind of floods the large room – and it's, you know, soundproofed. So it's a very quiet space. And it, it was actually doing that that finally like I started to finally feel like meditation was a thing I wanted to, to do. And I started to feel mm-hmm. the benefits of it. And now it's yeah, it's like the thing I can't live without. I I if, yeah. if I go a few days without it, I'm like, oh like my, my body feels it.
2: That is So you know, like that's the thing hmm. I used to do all the time you just had a different term for it. You know, like you called it like your quiet time mm, yeah. Yeah. or your devotion, you know, but like I did that all the time where I would sit for hours with my worship music and my journal mm. and my, you know, and like, that was my safe space. Right. But now it's like going through a rebranding, you got to call it something else. It doesn't feel traumatic anymore, you know, reclaim and, that, <laughs> yeah, like reclaim yeah. it in a new way. Yeah. And so like, I'm finding ways to do that where you're still like, connecting in the same way, but it just has a, like a fresh take or a fresh feel on it. And I'm loving that. Mm-hmm. That was
0: so great. I, that's one of the things I love most about having these conversations is getting to hear the things that are working for people. Like right. I don't care anymore. Like what is Doctrinally sound, nope. or what's biblical, or anything like that. I just want what's working for you. Right. And if it's yeah. like yeah. going in a tank where your senses, your sensory deprivation, and like floating, like
1: that's beautiful <laughs> and awesome. Yeah, which is not gonna be in the Bible because not no. an option. No, <laughs> then go float on the Dead Sea, maybe. I don't know, but right, yeah. um, it's kind
2: of the same thing. Yeah, it's like right? there's like 1100 pounds of Epsom salt in this little 10 inch pool. Like,
1: <laughs> wow, you really it's are amazing. kind of floating in the Dead Sea. <laughs> Yeah, it really is. Like so you can it's feel biblical. A crystallize can make it on taste. your body. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. yeah, oh I love it. But I think that's true. I think if there's one thing I've learned from this podcast and just talking to people and really experiencing things is just to uh, like to be open to the beauty of different tools that are out there and like mm-hmm. the way that you can get to that thing that we were all, we were all taught to chase in, in a very specific way. You mm-hmm. do it with your, you know, devotional for women in your, in your morning mm-hmm. practice and your half hour mm-hmm. that you set aside and then you read your little thing and then you do your Bible work and then you fill out the journal thing. Like we were taught to do it in a specific way, but yeah. it, it is, it is, ridiculous to mm. believe that everyone will access that in the same way. Mm. And there are so many beautiful ways. Like tarot has been interesting. Yeah. Like that the tarot card thing, yeah. like just as a meditative cool tool, like mm-hmm. forget any sort of weird, occulty, like otherworldly influence there, just as a meditation tool. I find them really beautiful. And I would have never in a million years considered that yeah. accessible. So yeah, use the tools, float, do the things, try them out, <laughs> go sit in the theater, you know? Yeah. Like, it's beautiful that we have all these different options. It's a wonderful thing.
0: We, yeah, that's that's just kind of where I feel like I'm landing these days, just when we're talking about who God is and what God is and why I respond and react so strongly to the, um, the monotheistic, the one-way um, approach of evangelicalism. Is because spirituality is as diverse as humans are, at least. Mm-hmm. And if we, if, if 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 we're if we're oppressing um, diversity in just in our our basic being and our bodies and how we like operate in the world, then how much more so are we oppressing diverse experience in our spiritual selves, like? there's so much work to be done there. There are so many ways and avenues that we can encounter what we call God and, um, and then really connect with ourselves and our own intuition and the things that matter. (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Yeah.
1: It's it's so funny. It's all the same thing. There are different ways to be people. There are different ways to be in relationship. <laughs> there are different ways to be oriented. There are different ways to connect no to the There's no one divine.
2: right way that you have to follow to be right? You know, acceptable to God. Yeah, right? yeah. diversity is beautiful. God is diverse. God created diversity. Like we should embrace it and celebrate it, not try to hide it away.
1: Yeah. When if you were an infinitely capable creator? Like, why in the world would you create one? Would you make everybody what the same? <laughs> no. Like how bored I'm. I'm creative, and I'm bored doing the same thing twice. Yes. Like I can't imagine if I am created in anything that vaguely resembles the image of God. I can't imagine God not being terribly bored with everyone having the same story and way of being. Like, come on, <sighs> that's silly. It's silly. Hmm.
0: Hi, heathens, just dropping into the middle of this heartwarming or shocking or challenging conversation, depending on the week, to let you know that it doesn't have to end when you finish the episode. Karen and I would love to welcome you into the Heathen Huddle. It's our secret, private, hidden Facebook group for listeners of the show, just like you. We keep it secret because we know that apostasy and spiritual deconstruction can be a very difficult journey. And depending on where you're at, you may or may not be real keen on family or friends finding out that you're heathen-curious. But also, you might not have a lot of folks in your orbit that you can speak frankly with about these things. So, dear ones, the huddle is waiting for you. A lot of the guests that we have on the show are in there as well, so you can say hello, ask follow-ups, or, you know, just fangirl. I do it. It's a warm-hearted space, and we feel very mama bear protective of the good folks in there. So, if you'd like to be counted among them, simply send the email address associated with your Facebook account to askheathen at gmail.com, and we will send you an invitation post haste. Huddle up, heathens!
1: As you've kind of gone through this, like you're starting your tour, you're doing this book tour and all the thing, what are what are what are kind of the key messages that you hope? Like if you if you have people who come in and have who have these questions and they come and they listen and they they pick up your book, like what are the what are the key things that you hope are conveyed?
2: Well, I hope that they are able to see a different view of God, for mm-hmm. one, and and realize that what they've been taught Uh, isn't actually true in many cases of, uh, you know, this view of an angry, um, scornful God that um, hates who they are. And I hope they learn to, to love who they are and to embrace who they are and to, treat this guide kind of as a as a companion along their journey. Like I hope they feel like I'm walking alongside them mm. um, so they don't feel as alone as maybe they felt in the past and, and to realize that they're not alone, that there is a lot of support out there for them and there are people that care and they just need to plug into that, you know? So I'm hoping this provides them with tools uh, to to help them through each stage of the process, whether that be uh, the importance of boundaries or how to handle grief and loss or how to navigate difficult family relationships or, or knowing when to come out and who to come out to first and, and how to navigate that. Like I just, I try to be very intentional in addressing all of the most commonly asked questions um, in a very specific way, as well as just giving them the tools to, to navigate.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I share not just pieces of my story, but the stories of others as well that Mm -hmm. I've met along the way and that who are allowing me to share their story in this book. And so they get different perspectives from different people at different points in their path. And so I'm hoping that that is an encouragement to them as well. And that they just feel like, um, less isolated in their struggles and and in their journey.
1: Yeah. In a way that's a little piece of that affirming community that everybody needs is contained in this, in the book, which is beautiful. Yeah.
0: I love that. It's, um, it's inspiring people in the way that you're talking about. And I think there's also this extra added level and layer of inspiration. Um, again, I'm just talking about myself here, but like you're, you're giving language to me as someone who, um, wants to also be a space maker for these stories, right? Like I, I, um, I think about I think about the one time I went to it, it's now called Q Christian Conference. I, I went back when it was GC and the Gay Christian Network, mm-hmm. and the experience I had there was very hard for me to. Uh, it, was, it was it was just hard for me to, to understand my own experience, even because I, I was I was already at a point where I was really deconstructing and really not considering myself a Christian anymore. Um, And and yet I'm in this room of, you know, gay Christian conference. So Mm -hmm. like that, it was, it was difficult on that level, but it was also super difficult for me because I encountered so many people who the shame, the shame stranglehold was so strong on so many folks that I encountered um, while I was there,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: which Duh. Right. Like, yeah. And <laughs> if it continues going- to be. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If, if, like you're, if people, you're
2: get- I think sometimes when you get into an affirming community and you get settled, you get comfortable and you forget that there are still mm-hmm. thousands of people that are dealing with this and are in non-affirming communities and are sitting in the pews thinking that God hates them, you know? Yeah. Yes. And- And as I work on the front lines of this every day, I see how obvious and apparent it is all the time and how much it's still needed, Mm. but people kind of come out and move past that and often forget. And we need to remember to turn around and look behind us and pull those people with us as we go Mm.
0: forward. That's the key right there. Being, being, being part of the, the group of folks who's going to like do that, who's going to extend the arm backwards and be like, no, like, come, mm-hmm. <laughs> come out of your shame. Come with me. I promise you it's better over here. I I can see things that you can't yet because you still have the the shame blinder on. And I think that's what I I was struggling to reconcile in that moment. It was like, I just, I kind of wanted to just get out of there, to be honest. I was mm-hmm. like, this feels super like gross and uncomfortable. I, 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 I I don't want to sit in this shame anymore. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't want to be surrounded by people who are just, who are so, yeah, just so consumed with it. Um, And I just, I just wasn't at a a point yet where I, you know, could be that person to, to do what you're doing. Um, And I'm so thankful that you're doing what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's what I mean by this extra level level of inspiration. I hope that what this book also does is inspire a whole generation of people to, to become little Ambers (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, um, you know, just do this work. Like we, we, there are so many folks who need that. I I just love how direct you are in some of these sentences. I, I, I just straight up calling, um, calling people wrong like tell, telling folks you're wrong about this like y- y- <laughs> you know we're so careful with our language sometimes nowadays where we, we try to be very inclusive and and uh um you know just whatever it's just right. like yeah, the, the I, world I that we live I, in
2: i think i've seen enough of the damage that it's doing that i'm yeah you know calling out some of the bullshit because it's yeah. it's yeah. harming so many people and Amen. it's just not okay so i'm like yep. okay enough with the bs let's <laughs> let's call it for what it is and you know find a way to to recognize it and move forward yeah mm. so, so lovely.
1: lovely okay so my really important question though is <laughs> can we make a progressive version of adventures in odyssey because (laughs) (laughs) you are not the first person to say that (laughs) i'm sure i'm not where's my team
2: (laughs) i had somebody Uh. last time on my first book tour say something about that like they were like seriously interested in like making it happen yeah i was like go you yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Good luck with that project. I will see you later. Yeah.
0: Well, if that person happens to be listening to this right. conversation, can you do it? Because we need it. No, we'll call Karen. Yeah, call me. I'll need, help you. You yeah. want to be involved in I will. Too. I
1: do. I'll, I'll at least <laughs> consult. I don't really have time in my life for more projects either. But I will cheer you on if that's a project you would like to take on. And I will, I will, I will buy the Kickstarter. Yeah, like, there you go. I'll do it because I would love, I would love Fable to listen to that hardcore. Uh um, that is not my calling in life to create no. if you feel so called. <laughs> <more> <laughs> power <Yeah>. to you. <laughs> Whoever's out there, get it done. Get it done, someone. There's a yeah. hidden somewhere <laughs> for that. And I love it. It's
0: fantastic. Yeah. Amber, uh, where can folks go to find you and follow you and get more of what you're doing?
2: Uh well they can follow me on social media at AmberN, as in Nicole, Amber N Cantorna, across all platforms. And then they can find me on my website at ambercantorna.com. Uh, They can go to the events tab and see all of our tour dates that are coming up. And we still have uh, a handful of cities that we know we're going to, but we don't have that we're working on nailing down the exact date still. So they just need to kind of stay tuned and check back in. And then they can, of course, purchase the book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble or at their local bookstore and uh, all the all the book places
0: excellent beautiful and listeners all of those links are in the show notes right now so go click on them follow amber uh, buy the book and support people doing this work this is so important
1: it is important work and that's part of the reconstruction is just people who are making these resources and putting them out there in the world like that's that's step next you know Mm -hmm. that's that's what we need now and that's what we need so thank you amber for being you know for leading the charge on some of this it's Beautiful, and I'm so so grateful that that exists, and that you exist, and that you're telling this story as loudly and as beautifully as you are.
2: Well, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. It's always great to have ways to to share about my work and to get the word yeah. out. So you appreciate bet. You taking the time. Come back anytime.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>